Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, Airbnb takes a giant step toward an IPO, and Elon Musk thinks he's got a very good chance of traveling to Mars and then dying there. But first, the rise of self-driving cars. So let's start here. I'm a believer, a believer that hopefully in my lifetime, cars will take us where we want to go without ever having to press a pedal or steer a wheel. And in fact, I'm not even sure that my daughter, who's currently just eight years old, will necessarily even take a driver's test or at least not one that anyone today recognizes. And I also believe this is all a positive advancement as tens of thousands of Americans are killed each year in car crashes, most of which are caused by human error. Autonomous vehicles should, at worst, significantly reduce the number of deaths, or at best, almost eliminate them entirely. The big question, though, is what happens as we try to get from here to there? Autonomous vehicles simply aren't ready for prime time yet, no matter how many of them might be tooling around the streets of cities like San Francisco, and there are going to be some big challenges along the way. Everything from labor dislocations, as drivers lose their livelihoods, costly changes to transportation infrastructure, particularly inside of cities, and that very awkward period when self-driving cars and human-operating cars cars coexist on the same roads. So in short, there is no clear path to self-driving, even as companies from Detroit to Silicon Valley are racing full speed ahead. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Axios Autonomous Vehicle reporter Joanne Muller. But first, this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. We're joined now by Joanne Muller, who recently joined Axios to focus on autonomous vehicles after having led Forbes's Detroit Bureau. So, Joanne, there's this gospel in the self-driving community that these cars will basically end car crashes because human error will be eliminated. But you wrote last week that's actually based on a government study that doesn't really apply to self-driving. Could you explain? Yeah, so back in 2008, the government, NHTSA, Department of Transportation, did a study uh, looking at the cause of accidents. And that study found that like 94% of vehicle crashes, serious crashes, are due to human error. And that 94% continues to get bandied about. Here we are 10 years later. And the, the implication is that since 94% of crashes are due to human error, if we take the human out of the equation, all those crashes will go away and all those deaths will go away. There are 40,000 people killed almost every year. It's about 37,000 last year uh, in the United States. But half of those deaths happen in rural areas where people are speeding or driving drunk or, or just on deserted highways, right? And so the reason that we wrote this story to kind of examine this common perception that take the human away and all the deaths go away is that because of half, half these crashes that happen in rural areas, most of these autonomous vehicles are only going to be deployed in urban areas. So let me just play devil's advocate or, or just argue with you, I guess, which is the idea, correct? Like if you're thinking long term, you know, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, is that while AVs will first be deployed kind of as fleets in urban areas, in theory, right, they would eventually get to rural areas and, and you know, the experts? I don't know if that's actually going to be true. I don't have a perfect crystal ball, right? But 
where can these autonomous vehicles do the most good in crowded, congested areas, right? Uh, or perhaps on highways where uh, big truck, heavy-duty trucks are just going on a straight, long road, and you can link them together in, uh, in these platoons, okay? So that... I could see that happening, and I can see uh, I, I can see urban areas having autonomous vehicles. But I but I do wonder whether suburban families are going to even in twenty thirty years are going to go out to the garage and push the button, and their car takes them where they need to go. You're not of the mind that we're going to be in a situation probably in our lifetimes where there's going to be a giant political fight, literally over the right to drive on public roads, just like you can't take a horse today on a highway. <laughs> okay, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose that's an interesting argument. Here's here's the deal. I'm I'm in my early fifties, right? And so I say, by the time I cannot drive anymore, these cars will be available to me, and that to me is a really good thing, right? So that's another thirty years from now. So uh, so I do think it's a it's it's good for people. I, I, I I'm not arguing with you. I guess Dan is is what I'm saying. It's I okay. Think, we can, we can argue. That's fine. <laughs> you know, the, the story that we wrote has to do with death rates, and we should not assume that death in cars goes away simply because they're autonomous. There's right. Can, I, can I ask about that? So th there were three factors yeah. you cited in there for the three kind of leading causes of fatalities, none of which are yeah. kind of how we consider traditional error, you know, but one of them is drunk driving. One is not wearing a seatbelt. And then the third, of course, is speeding. And I, I wonder, mm -hmm. could, and this is theoretical, but AVs in theory should take care of speeding in the sense of, you know, they're going to go the speed that they're supposed to go. That's kind of part of the, the benefit here on the drunk driving and not wearing a seatbelt. You don't believe that, in general, autonomous vehicles are going to require those things. In other words, that it would not allow a person to take over if they were drunk and that it would not require a seatbelt to be worn in order to take off. Well, let's talk about seatbelts first. I do think that uh, it's possible for the autonomous vehicles to be rigged in such a way that they will not move if people are not wearing a seatbelt. However, humans are clever and can easily override stuff like that, right? So let's not assume it's fail-safe. Let's talk about drunk driving, all right? You know, this is often held up as, as you know, this is so brilliant. I can go to the bar all night and, and party and then call, use my phone to call a car that comes and picks me up and takes me home safely and nobody gets hurt. And that, you know, uh, I think a great thing going forward. However, think about how we get from today to this utopia 30 years from now where I can go out and drink all night. And that is that cars have sort of levels of autonomy. And it is certainly possible, perhaps, that a drunk driver who is being asked to take back control of the vehicle in a certain situation will be too drunk to be able to do so. So, we can't assume that drunk driving goes away completely either. It sounds like what we're really talking about here is a question of gradated steps, right? And for example, today, autonomous vehicles aren't necessarily better at making decisions or, or identifying things than humans are. It's really a question of technological perfection, and, and we're far away from that. Is that a fair way to, to kind of view where we're at, that there may be a utopia down the road, but it's going to be a very bumpy and, and arguably dangerous path to get there? 
Absolutely. I think very dangerous in that transition from today to utopia. Absolutely. Thank you so much to Joanne Muller, Axios' chief AV correspondent. My final two right after this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now back to the ProRata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is that Airbnb today filled its chief financial officer position with Dave Stevenson, a 17-year Amazon veteran who's been CFO for its global consumer business, which includes everything from Amazon Prime to Whole Foods to Zappos. Why it matters is that Airbnb has been without a CFO since this past February, and one is needed before the company can put an IPO in motion. And finally, Elon Musk appeared on last night's Axios on HBO program and said this about his Mars travel plans. What is the likelihood that you We'll go to Mars. 70%. But your probability of dying on Mars is much higher than Earth. Really, the Africa going to Mars would be like Shackleton's Africa going to the Antarctic. It's going to be hard. Uh, there's a good chance of death going in a little can through deep space. But you might land successfully. Once you get there, you'll be working nonstop to build the base. So you not, not much time for leisure. Even after doing all this, very harsh environment, so there's a good chance you die there. So Elon Musk, visionary entrepreneur, terrible travel agent. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Grassi and Tim Shovers, have a great Cyber Monday, or if you don't want to shop, a great National Cake Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.